You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Episode 183 of Locked On Browns. Guys, I appreciate the patience last week. Uh, look, you know, nor'easter for two days, weather tied up, electricity, internet. Guys, it's really, really important to record and to do podcasts. So with that stuff being touch and go, we kind of had to slow down a little bit. We're right back here to pick things up. And guys, look, you know, we're in the 30s now. We are close. We are closing in. Uh, I'm not going to say any other moves won't be done, whether it's a minor trade or a minor free agency move. But pretty much, you know, everything is packed and tidy and all guns are ablazing towards the NFL draft. Joining us this evening, uh, you know, obviously working with Ryan Birds on Brown's Note. And one of the best parts that I like about Brendan Leister is the jersey numbers. If it's not a good one, it aggravates him, which it does for me. You gotta look good. That number's gotta look right. So it's good to have Brandon Leister here, even here with us this evening. Uh, Brandon, what's going on, man? How's everything going? Doing great, man. It was a good day in Northeast Ohio today. The uh, the weather got up to in the 50s, so it actually felt nice. Got to take a dog for a walk today. How are you doing? Yeah, we're good. I mean, that's the thing. We got 12 inches of snow between Wednesday and Thursday, but by like Saturday, like six o'clock, it was gone. A foot of snow was gone in like you know about 30 hours. So for me, that's fine. I'll deal with it if it can be gone that quick. Uh, I got my daughter's soccer team. Hopefully, we'll get a practice in before we got to play here soon. Um, you know, I actually had parents contact me Thursday. Is practice still on tonight? Um, no, not when there's about eight inches of snow and more coming, guys. We're not going to be able to practice. Sorry, it's just not going to happen. But we're looking forward to getting that going here. But look, we got business to do. I guess we'll start with the breaking news of the day. And this one, look, I mean, it wasn't really a shock because it was a good possibility and had been brought up. But, uh... <sighs> Los Angeles Rams. I mean, you want to talk about putting all your chips in. And Dominic and Sue, you pair that with Aaron Donald. You know, if I got to play edge for the Rams, I'm probably going to take home six sacks this season. Uh, good luck, NFC. <laughs> right, Brendan? Yeah, man, they're they're really building their roster up this year. It looks like they're um, they're really trying to make sure that they take advantage of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl window that they have with Goff on that cheap rookie contract. Um they got a great coaching staff. They're building up their roster. They got Marcus Peters and Nakeem Tlaib as well. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do in the draft as well because they got that 23rd pick, I believe. Um, it would be really interesting to see if they could come away with Harold Landry possibly. That that would be a heck of a fit on the edge for them. But, yeah, they're really doing big things this offseason, and I'm excited to see how they play in the fall. Yeah, I, I think the pipe dream of Harold Landry there is, is probably a gone one at this point. I think he's moved himself up. But, you know, a guy like Josh Sweat, who, you know, uber-athlete, who does not have all the pass-rushing skills yet that he's going to need. But, I mean, it's not going to take much to create some havoc with all that's going on there. I mean, he can run a lot of stunts and twists. i got to be honest. And like we were saying before we started recording, uh, regardless of where you live, I hope you enjoy what the Rams are doing because I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to get 10, 11 games easy, and this is without the dish. Uh, the Rams are going to end up on a lot of national television. You don't put a roster together like this, have a third-year quarterback after what he did last year, taking his team to the playoffs. So Rams games are definitely going to be a focal point this year. Uh, Brendan, uh, I actually went back and checked it out. It was actually December 12th was the first time you were on. So we got you on back here again. Uh, now, I want to go in a little bit. Now, look, uh, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of groceries, if you want to use the Bill Parcells theory, a lot of the groceries have been bought. A lot of it has been changed up. Uh, I think they would have been, liked to have gone maybe a little bit more major with the moves they made. But again, you're selling 0-16. You're selling 1-31 with that guy still in the building. 
So I think they did a pretty damn good job with what they've done. You know, obviously, look, teams are, you know, money is great, but two guys do want to go to winning situations. So I guess we'll go here, start with the, you know, the trade uh, acquisitions. Uh, I guess give me your thoughts here. Uh, for me personally, I'm never going to give up on a 22-year-old quarterback. I think it's just way too soon. But I think maybe this front office realized that the damage had been done, moved on, and got a player that they think is a huge part of their secondary. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm excited to see Demarius Randall back at his natural position playing free safety. Um, I hope that Greg Williams kind of adjusts his scheme a little bit and doesn't play him so deep like they played Peppers last year. Um, hopefully with the upgraded personnel, he does a little better job of utilizing his talent. But, yeah, Randall's got ball skills. I mean, he's had, I think, 10 interceptions in the NFL thus far. He's got his hands on the ball around 30 times, I believe, with the pass breakups. So, you know, just putting him in center field and kind of having him you know, get over the seams and then as well as well as track the ball to the sideline when they throw deep balls. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he makes that transition to safety. And then obviously, you know, the other trade moves. Uh, Landry Taylor, obviously, you know, you gave some length and teeth uh, to your offense. I think this front office with realizing they got to keep Hugh, it doesn't matter who the guy is at one. I think what they're trying to say is, is we're not going to let Hugh have much to dictate with him. So look, if Hugh can find a way to secure his job, which it's going to take a lot to do, I don't think they're not going to put their guy in his hands, so to speak. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Um, I think with the way that they've handled the quarterback position thus far, it's been um, pretty, pretty strong, in my opinion. With you know picking up Tyrod Taylor, who's a proven veteran quarterback, who's had a really strong career thus far for being a fifth-round guy. Uh, he just led the Bills to the playoffs. They hadn't been to the playoffs in a long time. So he, know, he knows how to play winning football. He doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't push the ball down the field a ton. But if you look at his receivers in Buffalo, he wasn't really working with a ton. So I'm really excited that they got him. I think he was probably the second best quarterback on the market um, when it came to trade opportunities and realistic options because I never really considered Kirk Cousins to be a realistic option. No. I think he was probably I think Tyrod Taylor was probably second behind Alex Smith. Um, and then you take into account Drew Stanton they picked up yesterday. Um, I think that does a lot to you know bring the young quarterback along. He gets to see how two veteran quarterbacks who have been around the league for a long time. He gets to see how those guys prepare how they work. It's a huge jump going from college to the NFL. And I mean, like we saw last year with Kaiser, you know, that, that quarterback room was really bad and, and he was kind of thrown out there, thrown to the wolves. It wasn't a fair situation. So now with this rookie quarterback that they take, we're assuming at number one, he gets to, you know, learn all year long from Taylor, Taylor's game prep, you know, cause he's going to be working from week to week. He gets to see how to prepare like a like a pro veteran seasoned quarterback but then also I think Stanton will be there kind of like as a mentor to guide him along as well as him watching Taylor so I think it's a really good situation for a rookie quarterback to come up in. Yeah I, I think the the emphasis of Stanton you know look I mean it, it's obviously Taylor's job currently but I think you know what it's going to be is you know whether it's a Darnold or Rosen whether it's a Baker Mayfield I'm not going to say the fourth name guys because I'm not putting the kibosh on that but I mean you're going to be looking at 21 year old kids here and they can't keep bogging down your number one quarterback. Like, you know, I mean, we used to hear this stuff of Tom Brady. Look, you get one question per day and stuff like that. He can't keep bogging down Tyrod Taylor, who's got his own homework to do. And that's where Drew Stanton's going to come in in that Chase Daniel role of, all right, kid, you looked a little confused in the meeting. Let's go grab some lunch because I already know the three questions you need answers to. 
So he needs that extension of the coaching staff. And that's what a guy like Drew Stanton's going to do. And look, that's how a guy like Drew Stanton survives in the league as long as he has. Guys like Dan Orlovsky, who spent 12 years in the NFL. You know, it, hey, it's a, good, it's a great living. No one's going to turn it down. And, you know, hey, at the end of it all, I mean, you have all the opportunities, you know, to whether you want, you want to stay in the game, whether or not you want to cover the game. And, look, you ain't got to take the hits from guys like Ndamukong Sue and Aaron Donald. So that ain't a bad thing at all. Uh, I think that Denny Shelton being moved on, I think this front office, and you know, Dorsey obviously loves his pass rushers. That was one of the MOs in Kansas City. I think he wants to get more athletic. I think he feels they have enough as far as stopping the run. Now it's finding a way to, you know, we, we need to sack the quarterback, and we need to do it a lot more than we're doing. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, they were actually last last year in pass rushing when it came to putting pressure on quarterbacks. Um, I, I just, I'm not that impressed with the the unit all around right now even without Sheldon we um, talked about this I, yes yeah yeah we did I, I was a you know I've, I've been a Danny Shelton fan I always will be I think he's great at stopping the run but I was just I was really tired of seeing him on pass downs you know he doesn't bring anything really as a pass <laughs> rusher um you know Jamie Meter people talk about him but I think he's he's very replaceable at this point you could probably say the same thing about Trevon Coley um, we'll see with Caleb Brantley. I don't really know what to think of him at this point. Like he's a very talented guy, but is he going to put it together? It's just hard to say. You know, he's a rookie going into his second year, just like any guy. You know, you just don't really know at this point. Um, I think Larry Ogunjobi showed enough that we should be excited about him at one technique. Um, but I would still like to see a couple more impact players added to the defensive line. I expect Shelton to play well in, in New England, just to touch on him a little more. I think he fits what they want really well. You know, they look more for defensive linemen that are going to two-gap and control, you know, control an offensive lineman and kind of read the run game and work and also allow the linebackers to run and chase and be free and not be blocked. So I think he'll fit them well. Uh, the, the return on the, the return on the trade wasn't great, you know, yeah. with getting that 2019 third-round pick. Um, but I'm sure that we'll be happy we have it when 2019 draft comes around. And, and that's that kind of shows the value that a run-stopping nose tackle has in today's game also, that they could only get that future third for him. And then also, my other thought on Danny Shelton is the problem was that I don't think they wanted to re-sign him for what he was going to be worth because of you know the system, and they want to get up the field. They want four penetrators up front at least because you need depth up front. Um, and, and he just didn't really feel that, fit that mold. So are you going to ex- extend him? Are you going to do that? Are you going to you know, ex- uh, do that, the fifth-year option with him? I, I don't really think so. So uh, I think it was best for them to move on, get something for him, and you know, he'll be better in New England, and I'm happy for him. Exactly. I don't think he was ever going to probably live the payday that, that it would warrant for him everything. And you know, I understand why Browns fans got upset because – Danny Shelton kind of got moved on from, but here was a guy who was doing his job. And, and that's kind of what, you know, as a fan, I can understand that. You know, you know, we're an 0-16 team, but not necessarily he was the reason for 0-16. So as a fan who gets upset about that, I truly understand that point of view, and I do get it. Um, I guess we'll, you know, go here. Uh, highlight, you know, a guy or two here from free agency. I think the EJ Gaines signing late is one that I do like. Um, you know, Fells, I do like from the fact that, you know, whether they knew it at the time, they probably did, is you're going to need some help on that left tackle, uh, regardless of who it is. He's going to need some assistance out there if you're going to try to run off tackle left. It's just the way it's going to be. You're not going to replace what you had 
and I think that's where Fells falls in. Uh, so maybe highlight a guy or two here that you maybe like from the uh, free agency crop. Yeah, sure. I think uh, TJ Carey is probably a pretty good pickup. Uh, I, I believe he has versatility, so he could play some nickel. He can play corner. He's covered really good receivers when he played in Oakland. So he has experience kind of shadowing guys from what I remember. And uh, he's been a good player in the NFL. He's worked his way up since being, I, I think, a seventh-round pick. So I'm excited about that signing. Um, the gain signing, like you said, I, I just like that they've addressed the cornerback position. I hope that they play tighter with their coverage this upcoming season. I, I'm tired of the you know playing 10 yards off when it's third and one and all that. That's inexcusable. So hopefully that changes now. Uh, Chris Smith, he's he's intriguing. You know, just the versatility. I like that they added him. Uh, I think that he can he can rush from the inside and sub packages, kind of like we were talking about with upgrading the defensive front especially the interior pass rush. He, he did some good things in, uh, in Cincinnati when it came to that. So I'm excited to see how he plays in Cleveland and how they use him. Ideally, I would like to view him as a depth guy, but I have a yep. feeling he'll probably have a little bigger of a role because even if at this point they bring in guys for the sub packages, those are going to be rookies. And kind of like Ogunjobi last year who came along a little slower, um, I, don't, I don't expect them to give a ton of snaps to a rookie even if he's a super talented, you know, interior pass rusher, I still expect Chris Smith to play plenty. Um, but overall, I, th- I think they've done a good job in free agency and with the trades. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next, whether there's any more trades to come, some, you know, some of these um, second line free agents kind of. And it's just going to be interesting to see what they do to continue to upgrade the roster. Yeah, and then there's always, you know, look, you always want some money around for, you know, what happens later on after the draft or June 1st, you know, a la the McCourty signing last year. Mm-hmm. You know, if you see a guy that's going to fit the knees you want, you want to be able to pounce. Guys, you're listening to Lockdown Browns, episode 183 with Brendan Leister. Uh, guys, if you're listening now through the megaphone, you know, the megaphone link, go ahead, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Spotify, go ahead and leave that five-star review. I truly appreciate it, guys. Now, Brandon, we're going to move a little further, and this is kind of what we brought you in here. Everyone's kind of got their flavor of the guy they want. Um, you, the guy you're kind of be beating the drum for, seems to be the guy it's going to go. Um, you know, me, I felt all along through the summer and through the beginning of the 17th season that Sam Darnold would be the guy who ended up going one. Even though week in, week out, every guy I had on here said, everybody they're talking to says Sam Darnold's going to stay in school. But the second Sam Darnold declared, it seemed he was the guy to go one. Uh, me, personally, I'd still take Josh Rosen. Uh, but I know you are the Sam guy, so I'm going to kind of give you the floor here. Uh, kind of let these fans know a little bit about the guy who's probably the leader in the clubhouse right now. But look, guys, there's 30-something days to go. They're going to meet with all these quarterbacks. Something may happen. Something may change, You know, whatever the decision process may be. But go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, so with Sam Darnold, he's a really good athlete for the position. Um, he can move around inside and outside the pocket. I've been really impressed with his um, his ability to kind of evade chaos within the pocket and move from any or throw the ball from any platform. It's kind of unique the way that he moves around and can thrive in chaos that way. And he actually, um, it's interesting because his situation did hurt him with the fumbles, the interceptions. You know, his surroundings weren't great. But at the same time, I've been thinking about it and. You know, the offensive line play and all that, it created a lot of that chaos that he had to deal with, that he had to kind of show off his skills. So if he didn't play with such a bad offensive line this past year, he wouldn't have really been able to show that ability off as much. 
Um, he also throws with great an- anticipation in between the or in the middle of the field. So between the hashes, I, th- I just think he's deadly. He he really does a great job of anticipating windows and pulling the trigger before before the break and things like that. Where a lot of these quarterback prospects that you watch, I mean they're they're waiting for the guy to be wide open to throw a slant route or to throw a post route um, to throw the dig. As where with Darnold, he's he's pulling the trigger before they turn their head around. You know the ball is there when they turn their head, which that's huge because at the NFL level he's going to have to do that. The windows are much tighter. Um, another thing is just his arm talent. I think sometimes his arm strength gets a little underrated because of uh, just the way just the way it looks. I would say the way it comes out of his hand. But but the reason that I think his arm strength is underrated by people is because he throws with so much touch and he can really fit it into tight spots. And you don't realize that he's putting as much on it as as he is. But but he can fit the ball into tight windows. He can make far hash throws. And and the thing also is. In college, the hashes are actually wider than in the NFL. So a far hash throw in the NFL isn't as isn't as far a throw if you're throwing a deep out at the same distance. You know, a deep out at 16 yards is actually um, closer in the NFL than it would be in college. So uh, I've just been really impressed with you know his all-around game. I think I think a lot of his issues are definitely correctable things as far as his drops, his footwork. Uh, we kind of we saw at the pro day where a lot of what he was doing looked a lot more polished um his his uh, motion wasn't nearly as long as it looked at times in college when he was pushing the ball down the field especially so it'll be interesting to see how that that kind of moving forward with him how his mechanics continue to look once he's you know on the field with the bullets flying but if the thing with cleveland though is if he's in cleveland and he doesn't really have to play meaningful snaps for a while they can continue to develop him and work out those kinks and and it might not even phase him when the bullets start flying again Um, i think the interceptions are kind of you know obviously they're not a good thing but it's it's kind of it could be a blessing in disguise that he threw all those interceptions in college because those are all lessons that he can take something from and learn from and and he's the kind of player that doesn't really make the same mistake twice when you watch him you know he'll He'll throw an interception. He'll bounce back from it quick. Uh, he's a quarterback that you want the ball in his hands when the game's on the line. He only threw one interception in his, in his career in the red zone. So he was two. I think he threw two percent of his passes went for interceptions in the red zone in his career, which is um, one of the best in the class, if not the best in the class. Um, so yeah, I'm just a big fan of his all-around game, and I hope the Browns take him. But I I would be happy with Rosen. Uh, I would be fine with Mayfield and uh, the other options I wouldn't be as excited about but I'm a big <laughs> a big fan of Sam Darnold yeah well I mean we'll cut it look if you're at one and you're going to stay at one and you're going to pick your guy it's going to be one of those three um, you know I love what you brought up because uh, when I was talking with Dan Orlowski and he came on once and he's like look it's not the arm it's not the the hitch that everyone sees he said it's the footwork and, and you can see it if his if his feet aren't right, at least the mistakes that, you know, most of the interceptions, a lot of the balls sailed high, which is, look, if your feet are too far apart or they're not aiming at the target they're supposed to, the ball's going to sail. Um, like you said, between the hash marks, uh, I go to the Texas game, and that's kind of the one that stood out to me. Um, look, they should have probably won by two touchdowns going away, but look, they played a little sloppy. But uh, to get the field goal to tie it to send it overtime, and draped in a defensive lineman, hit the running back over the middle, was able to set that up for the field goal, came right back, got the ball, first play of overtime, 
drilled, you know, the skinny post right between the hash marks. An absolute gorgeous throw. Um, you know, I hear the Tony Romo comparisons, and I agree with it, and I've had guys come on the show and say it. And look, you're not going to coach somebody to throw the ball like Tony Romo does or Sam Darnold does. But the question is, does it work for them, and can they make it work? As long as you're keeping your feet and your torso right and you know, you're getting everything into every throw, it's going to work for you. And you know, just like it worked for Tony, just like it worked for Sam. As far as the correctability, it's good to know that Sam already knows what his issue is. And that, and like you said, as long as he doesn't have to start right away, because what you worry about, and if you get yourself into a tough situation, what is the first thing you do? You revert back to what your bad habits are. So the longer he can continue to work on his footwork, you know, without facing the live bullets, so to speak, and that just becomes more of a natural thing to him when he does go out there faces the live bullets, it, it, it'll be ingrained. You know, he won't. You know, it'll be so much less likely to fall back on the bad habits because they're going to be so far removed you know from the way he does his things the way he prepares his approach and you know obviously look the pro day you know won over a lot of people uh, Browns fans if he didn't win you over by saying look I don't care if it's raining we're trying to go to Cleveland that's what you want to hear because look anyone's tried to pinpoint to any one of these guys oh well I don't want to go to Cleveland I don't want to go to Cleveland when at the end of the day look anybody wants to go one that's where these guys want to go they want to be the guy who makes the most money you know they're not foolish in that respect uh, guys, also, uh, you, you know, uh, if you follow on the show uh, on Lockdown Network, also check out Lockdown NFL Draft. John Ledyard, Trevor Zakema, they do a good job over there, guys. Uh, shows daily. You want full draft content, they got you. You know, hey, like like me covering the Browns, they've been doing draft content since October, so it's kind of the way it works for all of us around these parts, guys. So go ahead, uh, give out Lock, uh, Lockdown NFL Draft to follow. Uh, you know, go ahead, download the show, doing a good job over there. Now, Brendan, we're still here with the top. Five in 64, regardless of what picks have been moved, I think when you keep getting down to it at the end of the day, you know, I, I'd say the top 100 is where you want to be in this draft. Maybe not even 100, maybe a little bit inside of it. So five at the top of 64, you were in the driver position. Um, as it goes on and we start to learn more and more and we keep digging into what this front office has assembled, whether it's the Green Bay contingent, whether it's John Dorsey, uh, we've all been fighting about running backs for months now. That none of these guys might go in the top 64. We might not get a running back there. Who knows? Obviously, with the Hyde addition and you know Duke Johnson still being here, uh, but give me a game plan that you're looking for for five of the top 64 because I know you're strong and you know as we've touched on earlier here, you want to be able to aid the D line as much as they've been able to aid the secondary. Yeah. Um, so starting off at one, I would take Sam Darnold. Of course, I already gave my my reasons for that. Um, at four. I could be convinced on a trade down, but but honestly, I would like to see them stay at four. Uh, I would like to see them take uh, Bradley Chubb. I think he would just give them big time presence on the defensive line and really add to what Miles Garrett and and Emmanuel Agua already bring. Uh, I I looked back the other day at at all seven of Miles Garrett's sacks from last year, and and three of those sacks came where he was lined up inside. So. You know, why not keep doing it? First snap exactly. ever took. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and Ogba was lined up inside on that play as well. So why not continue that? Why not keep using him against guards? Put put him in favorable matchups. Put him in mismatches against guards, interior linemen. I think that if they would bring in Chubb, and they have Garrett and Ogba, you could really just game game plan. You know, week by week, you say, all right, well this week. 
this guy's skill set matches up well with the right tackle, so we're going to put him against him. We're going to put this guy against the guard. We're going to put this guy against the left tackle. Or, you know, there could be a week where you put all three of them inside. You put one over the center and the other two over the guards, and you put, you know, you walk up two linebackers on the edges. You play in, play man coverage across the board, and you just say to the offensive line, "All right, block this. Good luck." You know, there's all kinds of things that you can do in these sub packages if you get better more explosive players that defeat blocks they just don't have that at this point aside from like i said before garrett ogba has been very good in the run game but he's been up and down as a pass rusher and then ogan joby he's a run first player at this point i think he's kind of raw as a pass rusher he could improve in that area but i would just like to see that continue to be addressed so bradley chubb is definitely who i would target at four well uh, Um, before before i get you going the thing i like though with chubb is though is now you're you're talking about a guy that entire North Carolina State defensive line is getting drafted this year. So I think you bring a guy like Chubb into here, you know, like he's a guy who feeds off of the fact that he knows he's got solid players around him. Now you slide him into this mix, and even like you said, I mean, there could be times where you say, you know what, guys, third night. Guys, pick pick a spot. You know, no, no, I want guard, you know, I went over the guard this time. You're going outside this time. I mean, and these are the type of athletes and, you know, guys who have the capability of winning that they can get away with, you know, some fun stuff here. I mean, it's it's almost everybody was making, 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 and now it's like, I mean, poor Minka is now a guy who's you know probably past ten. He's you know almost like a forgotten man right now. But go ahead. Yeah. So at thirty three, um, I'm kind of I'm in this mode right now where I'm just praying that Maurice Hurst falls to thirty three. Uh, I'm a huge fan of him. I think there could be a Green Bay connection there with uh, the way that he plays. Kind of reminds me of Mike Daniels from the Packers, and I could see Wolf and Highsmith really seeing that comparison and and targeting him at the back back end of the or at the top of the second round, I should say. Um, I would even be willing to to try to trade up for him, uh, you know, into the late first round. I just think he's that kind of talent. I know Pro Football Focus, I believe, has has him as their top non-quarterback in the draft which is pretty high praise um so i would definitely be interested in him at 33 of course the heart thing i mean i can't really speak on that i'm not a doctor i know a lot of listeners are going to be thinking oh well what about the heart what about the heart i'm not a doctor i can't speak on it i know that he he performed at his pro day the other day and um you know other than that if he falls to the fifth round because of the heart thing you know that doesn't change the type of talent that he has on the field. It's, I just know that that's a guy that I want the Browns to end up with because he's a hell of a player on the defensive line, and it would add even more of what we're talking about with explosive guys that can get up the field, get in the backfield, create tackles for a loss, and get sacks, You know, hit the quarterback. That that should be the goal. Um, if, if not him, I think Taven Bryan from, from Florida is another guy that could kind of fall into that type of mold, and maybe they might be interested in him, but... But at 33, I'm definitely interested in uh, in Hurst. Um, 35, it's it's interesting. Um, in these these fan speak mocks, I've been taking Christian Kirk there a lot. I'm a big fan of him. He's a dynamic punt returner, kick returner, and I know that kick return value isn't huge um, in today's NFL. And I know that they already have Peppers as a punt returner, but I think the way that he returns just shows you the type of ability that he has with the ball in his hands and the way that he can track the ball in the air and and he shows all those things as a receiver when texas a&m would throw him the ball um he's gonna it's gonna probably take a little bit of time with him you know when it comes to 
routes and everything, but I think you can say that about just about every wide receiver prospect that comes into the draft. Yep. But he's just a dynamic athlete. He can play in the slot. I, I think he can play out wide. You know, that might not be a super popular opinion, but, but I'm actually of the opinion that more of these teams should be doing what, Mc, what McVay does, what Shanahan does, and reducing the splits of your outside receivers to the point where everybody's like a slot receiver. You know, teams uh-huh. have been doing this for years. Bill Belichick's been doing it. Um, I know Shanahan's been doing it for a long time. He did it when he was in Cleveland. You get these fast receivers that are explosive, and you play them all inside the numbers, and it creates a lot of mismatches. It allows receivers to have two-way goes. Yeah, and I think that and, yeah, and it leads to a lot of off coverage as well because you can't really press in that situation because if you do, you're likely to get rubbed with like a rub route or something. So um, I just I really like him. I think he's you know a, kind of what you look for in a receiver at this point, just an explosive guy that can get down the field, that can make plays after the catch, and just really complement what they already have at wide receiver. Um, so I would target him at 35 at this point. As long as he and doesn't play with that, that liver smoothie or whatever he tried to show the guys on NFL <laughs> Network. Man. Uh, I mean, look, I'm all for being healthy, man, but once you're dropping some liver into something, yeah, I'm out, dude. But no, uh, the <laughs> other thing, though, is, and look, Jarvis Landry, look, he's got no he's got no promise this year. Um, you know, yep. could Kirk, you know, or Coleman. I mean, look, if Corey Coleman gets it together, you know, I understand why Landry was brought in here. You needed insurance. You absolutely had to have it with the two guys between Coleman and and obviously Josh Gordon, you needed a guy that can you know prove that he's going if he's open is going to catch the ball. But you know, ideally, he's not even going to sniff the numbers he had in that, you know down in Miami. And you know, if you can develop a guy to take that spot, and you don't have to pay him over ten million dollars, <laughs> all the more better. Yeah, that's a good point too, because Landry is just on a one-year deal in Cleveland, so it's possible that he might not be you know a long-time, long-term picture with the Browns. I I think with the way that they went after him, I would venture to guess that he'll be with the Browns for a while though, but but that is a good point what you said that, you know, it's possible that he won't be. Um and I agree and I and another thing I want to kind of bring up too just to make a point is I always like drafting a year ahead with your needs. So, you know, everybody always likes to focus on immediate needs. Immediate needs, you know, like we lost a guy. He he, re, like for example, at left tackle. And there you, know, you go. Like, I'm not really. I'm not in a hurry to address left tackle. Honestly, like they might, they might be, they might do it. But my view on left tackle right now is throw Coleman out there this this year. This is a bad left tackle class or a bad offensive tackle class. I should Terrible. say. There's there's no guarantee that the guy that they take is going to be beat him out. So throw him out there at left tackle. You have four solid starters at the least you know four solid to good starters across the board aside from Coleman who is a question mark we don't know if Coleman's good or bad I think he was up and down last year when I watched him closely at right tackle I I wouldn't even say he's a bad player I just think he's an up up and down guy he's he's young he came out of Auburn he's he's a raw tackle and it's good to see that Joe Thomas is working with him right now but I personally my my philosophy on that position is I would wait until next year when free agency starts you have a better assessment of coleman's ability at that point and at that point if it's still a need you can make it your number one priority heading into next year because on paper right now they shouldn't have a ton of needs heading into next year i mean right now people are talking about oh well the browns have barely any needs at this point left tackle is one of their only needs now 
I don't agree with that because some of these players are not going to perform to the level that we expect and they're going to need to be replaced. Yeah, there's going to be turnover. There's going to be injuries. But but heading into next year, I think you have a better idea. That's when you make it a priority in free agency or trades or the draft. But at this point, I'm not really in a hurry to address left tackle. Um, So moving on to 64. Yeah, again, I'm going to go back to the fan speak mocks and – I've been taking Nick Chubb there. He's just he's an explosive runner. He if he hadn't had the knee injury, it's possible that, that he could be I know this is gonna sound crazy to people, but it's possible he could have been the best running back in this draft. Um, guys second, like Matt Waltman will agree with you. Exactly. Yeah, and Matt Matt's one of the smartest guys around. Um, so definitely first, second best running back possibly. And if he could be there at 64 because of the knee and just because of the different question marks and because of the way the rest of the running back class is, there's a lot of different flavors. And these teams, you know, in the mid-second round, top of the second round, they might be looking for more of a pass catcher. They might be looking for more of a change of pace guy. Chubb isn't that. He's more of a downhill runner, very elusive in space and very fast. Uh, But he's a big guy and he's very explosive but he's going to give teams a little bit less in the pass game. But but I would definitely target him on day two if I were the Browns. I'm just a big fan of his game, and I think he and Duke Johnson could be a force for a long time to come. Carlos Hyde, I mean, I think that was a solid signing. I'm, you know, I'm excited to see him play for the Browns, I guess, but I honestly think Crowell was probably a better running back. And I think, well, let me rephrase that i think crowell was probably more of a feast or famine guy you know he's gonna crowell's gonna get more big plays but he's also gonna get more losses you know there's gonna yep. be more loss of yards with with hyde i think you know what you're gonna get every play it's more of a steady you know two yards here three yards there five yards here seven yards here and there you know but i don't really view him as like a long-term solution at the position so i would still probably target that target a running back on day two but i could also see them waiting until the fourth round because this running back class is so talented it's so deep that i could see them waiting until the fourth or fifth round and still coming away with a really good running back that like i said could be a fixture for a long time in the backfield the uh the priority for them at running back right now should be to extend duke johnson without a doubt i mean that's that's a no-brainer most dynamic guy on offense aside from Josh Gordon. Um, he, I just think that they absolutely need to re-sign him at this point. Yeah, I think, um, you know, first things first, when you brought up the, uh, you know, addressing the position before you had, <coughs> you had the need, you know, that, that doesn't apply with the offensive tackle class because, you know, I, I talked about it the last couple of days on Twitter with some other people. We still don't know who essentially the number one left tackle is in this class. We still don't know if there's a left tackle who warrants going in the first round. So I don't want to overdraft a left tackle and also have to put the pressure of him, on him of, well, you're, you're supposed to be here to fill Joe Thomas' shoes. Because now you're talking about a recipe for disaster when you overdrafted a kid and then you're putting that type of pressure on him. Just any means of that is not good. Uh, with Chubb, uh, you know, and obviously you know, not the receiver that some other guys in this class are, Look, if we see the extension for Duke Johnson, look, hasn't missed a game, so he's terrible. He's extremely valuable. Uh, you know, for guys who don't like us picking on Jarvis Landry, uh, he ran, you know, at more 
a deeper yards per route than Jarvis Landry did last year, Duke Johnson. So guys, understand the guy that Duke Johnson is and the player he is. And it should you know, work out better once you have better weapons and a better offensive all around for Duke. You know, he should be that much more valuable. Maybe the numbers in reception-wise will dip down, but the big playability should still be there. Chubb, uh, you're looking at a guy you know, who would be a four-minute running back you know, when you're trying to close out a game. Um, he's disciplined. He's not going to waver off the script. If he's supposed to run to this gap, if he is supposed to run off tackle, he's not going to ad-lib. Nick Chubb is you know, the perfect do-your-job running back, and he does it well. So you know, I do like him from that standpoint. Don't tell Pete Smith, guys. Nobody tell Pete. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this one. But Nick Chubb is good in that role. Um, so I, I guess the way we leave it here... All right. I, I, I do like this haul. I do because, uh, you know, Christian Kirk, you want to keep adding to the wide receiver core because you need, you have the issues there, obviously, between Corey and obviously with Josh. You know, look, everybody's hoping for the best, and you keep to getting that guy out there. And as far as, you know, the overall needs... What would be something, who's a guy or something that would entertain you once we get to day three, because that's where the, you know, the rest of the picture going to be. Is there a certain guy that kind of strikes your flavor that, like, hey, look, I just kind of want to bring that dude in? I can't say that there's any specific players on day three. I've honestly put most of my focus toward the quarterbacks and then, like, those top picks that the Browns have. But I think that defensive back is something that will be addressed on day three. And then I also, or I mean, it could be even addressed on day two, of course. I'm not going to say that it won't be, but I just think that by day three, I think defensive back will be something that's addressed. Running back will be between day two or day three, if if not at four, you know, because we're hearing the stuff about Barkley still. <coughs> um, and then I think um, possibly some linebacker depth on day three as well, because, you know, it's always good to draft linebackers late in the draft because yep. you can get solid special teams guys you know you want to get guys late in the draft that are going to be on the field and if you get guys that can play special teams that's that's a big deal so i would say linebacker depth is probably another thing and then offensive line as well i mean just keep adding if they bring in a guy that shocks the world and is better than coleman out the gate then maybe he could you know start at left tackle but but the idea is just to keep adding depth at those positions where you have a have to play a lot of guys you know like defensive back where you're playing three or four corners at once one guy goes down then you're down to your fourth guy or you know or um you know wide receiver that's another thing i could see them adding one on day two or day three because it's such a deep group um and then like i said offensive line the depth i mean that's huge if a guy goes down you need solid players behind him that know what their their role is and what they can do or what they have to do within the play so yeah, those are the main positions that I could see them addressing on day three. All right, Brendan, uh, before we let you go here, uh, you know, what do you, uh, what do my buddy Ryan, what do you guys got in store here with Brown's Note, uh, you know, with about 30-something days to go? Things must be going well if Ryan can kind of skip on off to uh, the Big Island for a week or so. Yeah, things are going well. Um, I think the next plan is he is recording the case for, for Josh Rosen. So make sure you look for that. He's recording that with Sense Soga. They both went to UCLA. They're oh, buddies. Okay, nice. So yeah, that's gonna be a great episode. As as you guys may or may not know, Ryan lives out in Southern California in Orange County, so he's very close to everything that's going on with Darnold and Rosen. He knows people that know, you know, both of their camps, it seems like from the things that he says to me. So um, he's pretty well connected. But yeah, look 
look out for for that episode it's going to be awesome and then aside from that i expect that we'll probably touch on the trades and the free agent pickups probably once he gets back from hawaii but until then i don't anticipate any other episodes aside from just the uh the case for josh rosen and possibly at some point the case for josh allen but we haven't really talked about that a ton to this point and you got to find somebody to help you bring that case that's the that's the hard part there buddy jenna jameson right uh, yeah, apparently, and, and and you know, if you need somebody to talk to Quan Barkley, she's all over that one too, guys. So you know, Tana Jameson's spilling out draft knowledge for us, everybody. So uh, you know, uh, you know, thanks, uh, McNeil. Appreciate that, big guy. Uh, guys, you've been listening to Locked On Browns. Uh, follow Brendan Leister. Follow Browns. Note uh, Ryan Burns at Football Sickness. Those guys do a great job over there. As Ryan says, he's Dog Pound West, which obviously means I got to be Dog Pound East. You guys can all fight over Dog Pound Central because I know I'm Dog Pound East. Uh, follow Brendan, guys. Like I said. Uh, make sure you check out everything he's doing. Uh, the clips, everything is in-depth. comes from a, poach, a coach's perspective. Obviously, a big part of Brendan's life. So check all that out. Follow the show at Locked On Browns. Guys, I've always made it a follow-back account. Some of the best guests I've had on this show have come from you fans reaching out, adding somebody, whether it's somebody you talk with on Twitter. So I appreciate for all that. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, I appreciate, guys, everybody, the listens. Uh, looks like we're going to have a full slate here this week. Uh, you know, we're going to close the month with a bang. And, you know, once it hits April 1st, guys, look, it's it, it's going to go that much quick, that much quicker to the actual draft. Once baseball season starts off, man, these days start flying off the calendar like there's no tomorrow. Uh, so, look, uh, guys, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll have some more news tomorrow. Otherwise, we'll just have a great show. But I appreciate everybody. Thanks so much. Let's go Browns.